you may have realized that being healthy feels different than it did in the past now that you're over 50. If you want to maximize your health potential but don't have time to read through overwhelming pages of Google links, this is the show for you. Welcome to Healthy Tips After 50. We love doing the research, finding solutions, talking to health experts, and learning what works and what doesn't. Now, your host. She spent the last 25 years dedicated to feeling her best and is here to share her best findings with you, Susan Rosen. Hello, everybody. This is Susan Rosen, and I am here with a guest who has been on the podcast before and actually is going to be a more regular guest on the podcast. And her name is Dr. Chris Azola. I'm not sure. Do I, did I get that right? Azola? Okay. Absolutely. Okay, good. Um, and Chris is a, is a naturopathic doctor here in San Francisco. Um, and I know we had a really good chat the last time Chris was on. Um, I will put a link in the show notes back to that one if people want to go back and, and take a look at that. And Chris is, um, I should say she is a licensed naturopathic doctor, which does make a difference. She is a descendant from a long line of physicians who believed in balancing conventional medicine with natural healing techniques. And she was from early childhood, inspired by her family's dedication to helping others and became curious about the natural remedies her family used to stay healthy and help others stay healthy and was always wondering how grandma's stuff worked. And so that's why she decided to go the naturopathic route instead of the traditional MD route, route, whatever. And so I want to um, welcome Chris to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And I wanted to let everybody know that that what we thought we would talk about today is um, how we can help to detox and eliminate a lot of the toxins and the waste in our bodies that we all accumulated after the wildfires this year. So I know that we had, I think a lot of them were here in California and on the West Coast, but I know there were some in some other parts of the country as well. And I also think that there's a lot of other kinds of environmental toxicity going on out in the world. And so that's the whole area that we're going to be talking about. And I'm pretty sure that this is going to be providing some valuable information for everybody to use, um, especially these days. Um, and, And I have no doubt with all of the stuff that they're going through with the snow and the cold in a lot of other places in the country right now, I know they they're having problems with drinking water and, and um, Mm -hmm. a lot of different things. And I think this all kind of goes up into, into together into that whole environmental and metabolic detoxing. Mm -hmm. So welcome, Chris, now that I've just, you know, (laughs) got into all of this detail. So why don't we start out by, um, and maybe you can tell us all how environmental pollutants affect us and 
and why should we be worried about them? I mean, I know a lot of us are, but but why behind mm-hmm. what's the why behind all of that? Yeah, so the we're all exposed every day to small levels of things, you know, it's just a mm-hmm. part of living there, uh, things from paints and gasoline and uh, just the air. Uh, the challenge is this year, especially in California, we have been exposed to a lot more than that, the higher concentration for more like a, a couple months, as opposed to these only these small level uh, toxin exposures that our bodies are you know, unless they're overloaded, pretty adept at processing and just getting out at Mm -hmm. small levels. So a lot of the studies that are done uh, for toxins are done for industrial exposure, people who are actually working with these things on a massive, um, in massive quantities on a continual basis. So we do have a lot of research in that. And there is a really rapidly growing body of research talking about what a smaller level chronic exposures doing to our bodies. And consistently throughout that research, it's become evident that especially when it comes to our immune system, our nervous system, and our endocrine or hormonal system, these systems in particular are more impacted by these chemicals. And so our bodies trying the best and most efficient way to process them often do a great job, but of course, when overloaded, there are uh, challenges with those processes and they then can impact those systems more uh, profoundly. And so what I wanted to highlight today is that what are the regular ways that our bodies deal with small exposures and keep those things moving so that when we are exposed to larger quantities, we, we are starting from a healthier place to deal with them, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. So um, out of curiosity, um, I know in years past, we've had a lot of these same, you know, I mean, obviously the, the, as time has gone on, the wildfires have gotten worse. Um, mm-hmm. they're, they're now all up and down the West Coast. <laughs> California doesn't own them all. We just happen to be a bigger state. But, um, you know, it's how much of an impact since this was during COVID that we had the mm-hmm. last the last ones, right? Mm-hmm. How much of an impact or how much of a help was it that a lot of us were, were walking around with masks on because of COVID? Do you think that that actually helped? I think with, uh, it's my experience that with a well-fitting N95 mask, it mm-hmm. did really filter out 95 means it filters out 95% of the particulate matter and gases that you're breathing in. The challenge is that most of us don't wear them because when you fit them extremely properly, they're very tight and they don't allow us to breathe very easily. So if you're exercising or moving about your regular day, the challenge is keeping it on so we can breathe more freely, but have it well fitted. And that's usually, uh, those are usually competing things. So most of us don't wear them properly or it's very easy for them to come off. The other thing is with the N95 masks is that if once they get wet, they're Mm. no longer doing their proper function. And so wearing, that's one of the challenges of wearing them consistently day after day is you're likely to sneeze in them or 
do something that will decrease their capacity to function. So they need to be replaced quite frequently. A lot of us, of course, if you have well-filtered air indoors, mm-hmm. staying indoors definitely helps during that time. The masks, uh, the face coverings that we're wearing for COVID are not filtering. If you're not wearing something like an N95, it is not helpful with those exposures. So that's, I would say, was the biggest challenge is we, of course, there was a shortage and many people were not able to make use of them. Yeah, absolutely. I have some of those, those, I've gotten those, um, actually, I think they're P95 or P2.5 or whatever, the filter things Mm -hmm. that you put in your, inside your mask. Right. So I've been, we've been using those. I just bought a whole, you know, huge package of them and um you know and and every couple of weeks i put in change it out take the old one out put a new mm-hmm. one in you know we don't go out that much so other than our walks mm-hmm. and then half the time we're not wearing our masks anyways unless mm-hmm. we're going to be close to somebody <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah and and maybe that's <clears throat> that brings up a a, a a similar or not not the right word anyways related question are we getting toxins for instance from the fires and stuff even when we can't smell the smoke or sometimes are we smelling the smoke and there aren't any toxins in it i mean how does that how do those two things connect so it's a it's a great question the the smelling of the smoke is not necessarily directly related to how toxic the smoke is for example, part of the wildfires was carbon monoxide. Mm-hmm. It's just something that is a, a natural byproduct of wildfire smoke. The challenge we had this year as well is that it houses and cars also were a part of the, so now you're introducing chemicals, plastics, a lot of pesticides. Uh, they're maybe in smaller quantities, but they're still present. So the air quality index was one great way to at least see, to track particulate matter. Mm -hmm. And I don't know about you, but there were definitely days where I thought the air was quite, seemed clear to me and I couldn't smell it. But then when you looked at the quality index that the EPA put out, it was a very different reading. So that is a help and a gauge uh, more than our noses sometimes. And definitely the carbon monoxide being not having any odor is also a challenge. So they're not necessarily related. It's not something you can count on a hundred percent, but for sure, when you can smell it, you know, there's a problem. That's for sure. Yeah. You just don't want to wait until that point to um, put on your mask. Yeah. You know, I know, I know for myself, there were a couple of times where it was very, seemed very smoky. You could really, Mm -hmm. you could really smell it when we, strongly when I would go out for a walk or something. Um, and yet when I did go to the EPA mm-hmm. and their, their thing, um, it wasn't a real high. Eventually mm-hmm. it got higher, but mm-hmm. there wasn't a real high thing at that particular point, which I thought was kind of interesting. But I mean, with my allergies and stuff, I couldn't, after a little bit of time smelling smoke, I couldn't, couldn't breathe very well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, yeah. that's, you know, it's, um, I don't know whether there's a lag 
Sometimes there is, and it depends on the sensor. And in the Bay Area, we have so many dips and hills and valleys. And I did find that there was a discrepancy for uh, some of the time and you just waited a little while and then you can see it reflected. Having a really great filter at home with a working a sensitive filter sensor that can tell you will is, is a way to also uh, know what's going on closer to you. Uh-huh. And there are specific filters that work with smoke in particular, not all filters filter smoke, but they often, their apps now these days that tell you exactly what, what particulates and what uh, components are in your household air. Because oh, that's wow. another thing is sometimes our indoor air can be more polluted yeah. than our outdoor air, especially on a fresh day, because we have gas stoves and paints and furniture and all sorts of things. So airing our places out yeah. often bringing in that fresh air, like grandma said, yeah. <laughs> is actually a good thing for, for our breathing when the air is nice and fresh outside. Yeah, no, um, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, because we, we open the windows a lot during the summer, which is when we typically have all the fires. Um, we'll open the windows at night and mm-hmm. to cool the house down. Mm-hmm. And, and there were a number of times, um, actually, where we, we didn't leave them open all night. We would close right. them before we went to bed or, or we'd have them open. And then all of a sudden we'd start smelling the smoke and we'd run around the whole house and close all the windows. <laughs> yes. Um, so it was like a game, you know, it was, yeah. Um, I mean, we have air conditioning, but the air conditioners outside, mm-hmm. right. That's where the, they usually are. Yes. Um, yeah. And I definitely, this was a time to see how leaky your house is too, because there are nooks and crannies and, things like that that can bring in and sealing those can be quite important, especially during the, the heaviest or the highest uh, pollution of those days. Oh, what a good idea. Okay. Yeah. We're, we're real lazy about any of that kind of stuff other than, <laughs> other than getting rain leaks and stuff like that. Those, those we yeah. care of real fast, but um, so let's, let's talk about um what are, are some of the things that, that we can do to help get rid of or flush out, whatever the right word is, some of these toxins? Yeah, so I'm going to add in, there are these environmental toxins and pollutants that we take in. Then just to also add to the fact that our bodies, as they function, create waste products and materials that also need to get out of the body. So that's part of why we want to keep our elimination functions. Uh, They're called emunctories in certain uh, medical systems. We want to keep those channels open and flowing so that we don't bog them down. And suddenly there's an unexpected thing we are, the body has to deal with. And then it's bogged down doing these other, you know, it doesn't filter out normal waste from our tissues and cells well and so then you add this additional thing and it's not Mm. functioning as it should it's overwhelmed so some of the the main ways that we eliminate any type of waste material from our bodies are through the digestive tract through the urine and through the sweat and so part of the digestive tract obviously we have the stool uh, that takes waste products out, but the liver is the primary organ mm. in the digestive tract of processing our toxins. 
and it has it's a very complex intelligence system with many chemical many phases and reactions that it does but it it either takes toxins from the environment or from our bodies and puts them in the stool or processes them so that the kidneys can excrete them oh. and part of that uh one of the reasons that we recommend eating a lot of fiber for people is that the, these waste products, when they're headed towards the stool, they go into the bile and they get stored in the gallbladder until it's time for it to mix with food and everything and get taken out of the body. So these are called bile salts. And when we eat fiber, for example, a good high fiber, whole grain diet, these, the fiber attaches to these toxins in the bile and takes them out of the body. Mm. They're kind of like a sponge and they, but if they, we don't have a high fiber diet, they just get reabsorbed and recirculated back into the body. Oh wow! So you never really get rid of them. They're just kind of hanging around. And I've had people say they just kind of feel that they don't feel really sick, but they don't feel energetic or they feel kind of sluggish. And sometimes moving that digestive process along can really help um, increase energy and vitality and just overall uh, wellness. So yeah. that's critically important. And then for the toxins, for example, one of the, although it's a low level pollutant in the wildfires, but even on a day to day, we get exposed to benzene mm. from gasoline or paint. And so that was in the wildfires as well. And benzene is processed by the liver. If toxins don't go out of the body right away, some of them accumulate in fat. And uh -huh. so <laughs> Yeah, so that mm -hmm. is the, the body tries whatever it can to get it out of the bloodstream and away from the nervous system and away from other critical body oh. systems. So oh. then we're kind of, it's a little bit harder to get rid of them once they do that. It's not impossible, but then you got to do a little bit more work. So the liver processes them and benzene is processed so that the kidneys can take it out quite quickly within a certain amount of days mm. uh, or it's a very quick process. So going through the kidneys, if that system gets overwhelmed, let's say you're not drinking enough water or you have kidney impairment, then the processes, they create these byproducts that are then excreted through the lungs. Like it's, it's just tries any way to get it out. But again, it's not, it's not the easiest way to go. It's kind of like a last resort. So things that going on that system of the idea of flow, you wanna keep your kidneys flowing as well, drinking plenty of plain water, making sure that you urinate one or two hours, that your urine is relatively clear or pale yellow. And so, yeah, those are the two main ways that we excrete any kind of waste product out of our bodies that we take for granted, frankly, <laughs> but are very sophisticated and important functions. Yeah. And then the, the third way that we do is through our sweat. And that's one of the ways that uh, fat soluble toxins do come out of our bodies. We, when we sweat, we have a water component and we have a fat <laughs> component as well that comes through our glands, our sweat glands. So it is important to get moving and make sure that you get right now. A lot of us don't have access to saunas, which would be a great thing for this. But um, in the meantime, we can go out on walks and at least try to work up a sweat while we do that. And ideally, when you come home and you've built up a sweat, you, you shower these things off so that they don't get reabsorbed back into the body. 
excuse me, I'm coughing while I'm <coughs> okay. <coughs> yeah, just all of a sudden got a funny, it must be talking about all the toxins and the stuff. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, just all of a sudden it was like, ooh, okay, that's interesting. <clears throat> I think it's just allergies. <sighs> okay, so, well, that that's really, that's really interesting. I think that most people don't, including myself, don't totally understand or didn't totally understand how all of this works until you gave such a great explanation of it. Um, because we hear about it all the time, right? Uh, in the news and whatever, and they're always talking about this and all the, the magazines and the, all this kind of stuff. But it, it, doesn't, it doesn't go into, well, this is how it works and this is why you need to worry about it, mm-hmm. which I, I appreciate you, you doing that for everybody. I know it was huge for me. So um, I'm glad it's my pleasure. (laughs) So tell me, um, since most of the people, not everybody, but most of the people that are, are, that listen to my podcast are older, over 40, over 50, you know, whatever. What parts of that process are we most at risk of, you know, um, getting slower or getting harder or whatever. And and what can we do about that? Yes, there are our, there are main, the main systems that slow down are definitely digestion. And so just our overall capacity to process, even our appetite can decrease over time. So that is one way. And, you know, the longer we're alive, the more things we're exposed to. So the liver has been working for a long time and it might need extra support, just like the digestion as well. The kidneys, again, they're susceptible to having too much salt and not having enough water. So kidney function also is one of those things that tends to decline with age and not be as efficient. Hmm. And then lastly, it's the immune system. Our immune system is not as efficient and um, it just loses some of that vitality that it had when we were younger and doesn't respond as well. So needs to be supported more. Those are the the three, I would say digestion, primarily kidney function and immune system. And then of course, you know, hormonal system is always challenged by what's happening in the other systems and their hormonal changes. And that also impacts the other systems. There's more and more research showing how hormonal changes impact the microbiome. So the digestive makeup of all the bacteria, beneficial or not, are impacted by hormones and their fluctuations. And it's a really exciting new area where we're learning more and more by the day. Ah, interesting. Okay, so is that, well, obviously for women, but is that for men as well? Are there hormonal issues? Um... Uh, You know, I have... um, I have recently most seen their new research on women, but mm-hmm. it doesn't, the hormones, women do produce testosterone as well and, mm-hmm. um, you know, make use of estrogen as do men have their uh, similar fluctuations that m- might impact. But I would say more research will come out about that mm-hmm. in particular, but it's pretty safe to assume that the changes will be mm-hmm. also happening. Yeah, no, that would that would make sense. I mean, I know there are some things that we that only we get, but 
um, mm -hmm. I think overall for something like this, it would make more sense for it to affect everybody, mm -hmm. um, especially as, as they get older, for sure. Yes. And one of the things about environmental chemicals, plastics, a lot mm -hmm. of the pollutants or just things we interact with on a daily basis, even in our uh, furniture or day-to-day -day mm -hmm. products, they do have a very estrogenic mm -hmm. uh, appearance to them in chemical structure. So one of the risks for men is that they are getting exposed to these levels of estrogens that are not, they're like, more excessive for their bodies than would they would mm -hmm. in the past before we use these they'd be exposed to so again having a good system of detoxification is good there so their bodies don't get overwhelmed by estrogen uh-huh and so other than than just the the water and um you know watching your diet and that sort of thing are there any specific things that you could recommend that people kind of do or, or watch for or add, add, maybe add to their diet, maybe some kind of a vitamin or something. I mean, what, what, what can we really do to ward off some of this? Because some of it just kind of stays in the atmosphere too, mm -hmm. you know, once it's, once it's up there. Yeah. So just, I am going to go sticking with the diet just for a moment. Mm. I don't think it's very well understood that sugar really can impact liver function, excess sugar in the diet, as well as really impair immune function cells. So our immune cells are basically can be, some studies have shown paralyzed for several hours after eating something really high in sugar. So oh, wow. that's one of those things where having really great fruit and vegetable composition of your diet is great because those are not artificial sugars. Those come with a lot of vitamins and also fiber when you're eating them. And it's a, it's more additive to your body and your system than having excessive sugar. So just keeping that in mind, and there are recommended limits, daily limits for how much sugar we should have for men and for women. So that's one of those things in terms of supplements. I think there are many supplements, especially if you've had high exposure, we can target as naturopathic doctors and integrative medicine, medical specialists that focus on environmental medicine. Once you've been exposed, there are certain nutrients and supplements that definitely take those specific toxins out of the body. For example, vitamin C can chelate, otherwise known as just rid the body of certain metals. And that's something you want to do with supervision and, and seeing also how high the level is, because sometimes it's appropriate to do on a slow basis. Sometimes when the exposure is built up so high, you need to do much more high intervention uh, treatments. From a, an herbal perspective, luckily, the things that we're used to using and are culinarily really help us with not only our digestion, but our immune system and our detoxification processes. Mm -hmm. One of my favorites is garlic because it is uh, what's called a carminative. It helps us break down foods and, and fats just helps move the digestion along, mm -hmm. but it's a powerful antioxidant mm -hmm. and also a preservative and antimicrobial. Mm -hmm. So if it's something you enjoy eating and you don't mind sprinkling it on lots of foods, then it's a perfect carminative or herb uh -huh. to use. And so are the more potent uh, thyme, 
garlic, rosemary, things like that. Oh. Also, many of us ingest teas, chamomile tea, mint tea. Mm. These are brilliant uh, things to use on a regular basis if it's if it's suited for, for you uh, because they not only help you digest, but it helps overall with the nervous system. It kind of calms the nervous mm. system gently and keeps, again, the, the flow of your bile and your uh, musculature and your digestion going as well. So they are gentle, but powerful, especially when used on a regular basis. Huh. Okay. And, but yeah, there, there are lots of nutrients and vitamins that challenge with making recommendations is it depends on each individual's right. nutritional status and their conditions. Yeah. One example is, um, someone who's having an active flare-up of diverticulitis should not be ingesting a lot of fiber. It's actually really irritating to the digestive lining while they're having that flare-up. So that's where if you have an underlying condition, it's great to work with your doctor and using these uh, larger quantities of supplements, it really makes a difference to tailor it to the person. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. I know just my own experience, I was taking a lot of vitamin C and developed um, and did they call it an irritable bladder issue? Um, I guess bladder. I don't know. Anyways, it just, it just like always hurt to go to the bathroom. That's a great reminder. Yes. If you have taking these supplements, sometimes you can form kidney stones from them. So uh, in working with patients, I often look at their history. Are you a you know, do you have a tendency to form stones? Mm. You might, um, it's, it's always a good idea to get a baseline and take a look at how the, there are liver function tests. You can see the, the how efficiently the liver is working, do a urinalysis, mm. take a look at these systems and how they're functioning first before you make a recommendation for how to proceed. And of course, looking at what exposures and what current health conditions they have and, and make a a comprehensive plan that way to address the issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Cause it, I mean, it's so easy to, to cause problems without even realizing mm-hmm. that, that what you're doing could end up with that. You know? Yes. Yeah. There are a lot of, you know, even though they're sold over the counter, there are contraindications to, supplements and Mm -hmm. definitely herbs and high dose vitamins. There are contraindications and um, we definitely want to do the, you want to give enough to, if you're treating a particular condition, but be aware of how much is too much. And then also monitor it in someone to make sure it's not too much for them, Mm -hmm. because that also makes a difference. We're all individually set to take in a certain point, right? A certain amount of, of, uh huh, and that can and that can change too. Absolutely, right? absolutely. Um, As your body recovers from something, or maybe uh, some other condition comes up. One example is that vitamin C that you mentioned. When we have a cold, our tolerance for ingesting vitamin C goes up dramatically. Uh, But as you get better, then you begin using um, getting looser stool from the same amount, and then you have to cut back. So that's a for one example of our body starts to take in what it needs and then stops after a while. It, you know, 
Uh-huh. And vitamin C is a great, it, it does produce quite a reaction in people. That's It's uncomfortable, but it's relatively benign, but definitely not all vitamins are that responsive. So that's why you need training to make sure you know what to look for in terms of uh, when the side effect of something being too much. Right, right, right. Or, or with something else that you're taking, right? It can. Exactly. Yeah. Thyroid hormone is a great example too. Mm-hmm. There are many, uh, thyroid hormone is interacts with a lot of supplements. So you really want to take it apart at least three, four hours away, especially mm-hmm. from particular supplements or it's a lot of medications. If you're taking it with fiber are not going to be absorbed as well. So that's again, why you want to check in with, uh, with your doctor or healthcare provider yeah. to make sure that it's safe to do this combination and maybe uh, what the adequate amount of spacing is to take in these things if you need them. Yeah, no, that, that would make a lot of sense because, and particularly, obviously, if, if you have some sort of an issue, but, but for sure around any sort of these toxins and toxicity, because, um, you know, so many people self self prescribe when it comes to vitamins right. and all that kind of stuff. And not everybody knows about the things that you were just talking about. You know, they just, they take them all in one handful once a day and yes, you know, and, and some things don't, they'll, they negate other things that's in your hand. And that's right. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've found that myself. So yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Well, I think maybe we should probably call it a day unless you have something that you'd like to, to, you know, kind of do a little wrap up on what we talked about. To wrap it up then, that would be great. Just think of the concept of flow, keep things flowing as the waste materials and toxins move out. It makes a lot more room for nutrients to move into the body and for the healing and repair that we naturally do on a regular basis that our bodies need to do. So waste out flow flow of nutrients in. And the way we do this is through the digestive tract, the urine, and then the sweat to keep things, those things flowing and moving. And then the last thing I do want to bring up is making sure that you're not taking in and ingesting too many toxins as well. And that includes things like the environmental pollutants like pesticides from foods. Mm. And I think you mentioned before you talked about the clean 15 and the dirty dozen. Um, Some foods, typically every year, the environmental working group comes up with a list of foods that are not sprayed with a lot of pesticides. So if you don't want to buy organic, these things are perfectly fine to, Mm -hmm. to eat and you won't add to your exposure through the diet. And then there are dirty dozen where it does change every few years, the amount of uh, the foods that are most likely to be grown with these items. And the better we can get at not ingesting them through our digestive tract, then gives us more room to deal with Mm -hmm. other things that we're exposed to. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that. Absolutely. Um, As you say, I think I did a, I did a podcast about that, um, actually towards the beginning of when I started podcasting, but I will, I will put that in the show notes and I will also put a link to the environmental working group 
<clears throat> so people great. can go and and because they're they're great and not just for food, but they talk about um, soaps and detergents and I mean just anything, yeah, um, anything that that we use or or have in our houses or whatever. So it really is a wonderful reference site for mm-hmm. everybody just to to keep you know up in their yeah in their list of of what to to go look at and i know with the food i've always found it very interesting that the the cleanest one is had for years has been the avocados yes that um you know people can't you they've done tests and and studies and they'll take one that's um organic and one that isn't and they can't tell the difference very interesting yeah yeah yeah. so that that's the one thing um that I always remember and and so I don't waste my money buying organic avocados (laughs) you know I mean I hate to undercut any of the farmers that are doing it but you know don't don't bother you know Uh, another one like that is garlic nothing really wants to eat a garlic so they don't really spray garlic, <laughs> you know, so uh-huh, it's, it's, uh-huh. it's so potent. I don't think any microbe really wants to get near it yeah, yeah. or any uh, insects. So, um, so that's another one, but uh, avocados are wonderful. They're actually uh, massively, I, I was surprised when I started doing research on the fiber content of food, what a high fiber food it is. Yeah. So uh, definitely going to, get my uh, guacamole in this weekend hopefully (laughs) yes exactly exactly yeah yeah no avocados are are wonderful in everything and I just eat them plain and yeah I I love avocados avocado oil is is pretty good as well but you have to that you have do have to be more careful that um it has a high level of rancid rancid rancidness I don't know what the right word is but um they have found even with the organic ones that oh okay they've they've got a lot of toxins in them actually more than the than the the non-organic ones and has something to do with the way that they that they um make it you know the process the processing yeah well I do feel like we could we could probably have another segment and talk about you know how to cook your food so yeah. that you uh, maximize the antioxidant qu- qualities while not burning the oils and adding. That's another way that we get and we ingest toxins or yes. you know problematic things that then our body needs to process by burning our oils or using rancid oils, and that adds mm-hmm. to the yeah. processing yeah. capacity. Yeah. We and need some of them, some of them do. don't do well with high heat, like olive Absolutely. oil. You know. Yes. So many people, oh, I'm going to fry it up in olive oil. It's like, no, don't do that. Please don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) But anyways, I think you're absolutely right. Let's do that in another podcast. Wonderful. There you go. Wonderful. Well, thank you very much. Hey, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I always enjoy our our talks. So thank you. And I am going to say, as usual, that I am not a doctor. Although Chris is a doctor, but, um, but nothing that either of us has said or talked about is to be seen as medical advice because we don't know what your particular 
and Chris in particular does not know what your specific issues are. And so none of this is, is to be seen as prescriptive. Um, and if you are having any problems, please go see your own doctor or go to the emergency room if it's at that level. And um, I think that's about it. And we will see you again on another podcast. This has been Healthy Tips After 50 with Susan Rosen. To stay on the cutting edge of the most effective health strategies, subscribe to this podcast and let us know what you thought of the show with a comment or like on iTunes. Visit HealthyTipsAfter50.com for this episode's show notes, more resources, and free offers.